All right, let's jump into the message. Um, you know, no matter what line of work you're in, whether you, you work a nine to five job, whether you're in vocational ministry or maybe even a stay-at-home mom, everybody, every now and then, needs to get away to recharge, to refresh, to kind of get renewed by the Spirit of God and in order to be able to re-engage in the work that God has put in front of you in a, in a healthy, vibrant way. And one of the things that helps me to, to do that, to sort of recharge personally, is, is to get away and learn something new. Uh, learn a new skill or a new habit or, or uh, just experience something that maybe I, I haven't done before. And there's, it's interesting, there's a lot of research on how learning new skills or habits, gaining new interests, inc increases uh, the synaptic connections in our brain and skyrockets our dopamine, which is the happy chemical that the brain produces. And so two years ago on a pastor's retreat in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, I've always wanted to do this, but I was able to learn how to fly fish for the first time. And uh, this is the best place, obviously, to learn how to fly fish, if, if you check out this picture. So this is just outside of a place called Encampment, Wyoming, and if you can't hear the voice of God in an environment like this, you have hearing problems. <laughs> and uh, I, I always wanted to learn, and this was obviously the best place to learn how to fly fish. I caught some rainbow trout, some brown trout, and it was an absolute blast. Well, a few months ago, back in June, Jimmy and I, uh, Pastor Jimmy and I were able to go back to the same place in Wyoming with some friends from a few other churches in the area, some other pastors, and I couldn't wait to get back out there and test out my newfound fly fishing skills. And I was excited, I, I couldn't wait to, to catch some more fish. I was feeling pretty good about my skill level until I went fly fishing with Jimmy. <laughs> because over the course of about three days, Jimmy caught 14 fish, I caught two. <laughs> and now I hate fly fishing I hate learning new things, and Jimmy is the worst. <laughs> uh, but when I saw what Jimmy was able to do and what I was able to do, I saw the gap, this chasm between his skill level and mine and his experience fly fishing and my <laughs> experience fly fishing, vastly different experiences, uh, I, I recognized that there was a, a deep gap, this great chasm between his enjoyment of what he was doing and my enjoyment of the very same activity. And this idea correlates to what happens to us that are genuinely seeking to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, live on mission with Jesus. Because as we study and we read about the ways of Jesus, we study about the invitation of Jesus to the abundant life, to live under his easy yoke, as we look at his life and the life that he invites us into, oftentimes we see where Jesus is and the invitation to abundant life compared to where we are and we see this deep chasm between the two. Because we, we recognize that where we are, that there's a, there's a there's a vast difference between the abundant life that Jesus promises and the lives that we're actually living as followers of Christ. There is, as we look at the life of Jesus or even the lives of his followers, 
uh, it, we begin to see that there's this intimacy with God that sometimes as we read about it, we, we go, I don't know what that's like. Or I don't know how to get from where I am to where God invites me to be. And there is this disparity between the way of Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus, and the life that we're currently living. And, and as a pastor, I get to spend uh, quite a bit of time getting to know people and getting to hear their stories. And I've paid attention to this theme where oftentimes uh, we do feel and experience this chasm. We feel like there's more. There's more to the Christian life. There's more to following Jesus than we're, we're, what we're currently experiencing. Instead of the peace that passes understanding, we live with this constant sense of anxiety, of stress, of hypervigilance. We're always in a hurry. We're rushing from one activity to another just trying to keep up with the demands of life, whether that's our work or our family or our kids or school or sports or whatever it is. And if we are honest, which we are in church, so we should be honest, if we're honest, many of us would say we're not quite living the life that we know that God promises and we don't know how to get there. We don't know what to change. And this is why about a year ago, we began talking in depth about the lifestyle of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the practices of Jesus. Because here's the reality, here's the harsh reality. You are never going to experience the life that Jesus promised if you don't do the things that Jesus did. You're not gonna grow in your character as a follower of Jesus you're not gonna grow in Christ-like character unless you model your lifestyle after the lifestyle of Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. See, you can't just say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then just live however you wanna live. Right, if that's what you're doing, stop saying you're a follower of Jesus, because you're not. If you genuinely want to become a follower of Jesus, that means you are going to change the way that you are living to better align with the lifestyle of Jesus. That's what it means to follow him. Amen, somebody? Okay? So this is why we've got to talk about the disciplines of a disciple. A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus, somebody that's learning and studying under the ways of Jesus. So if... If you are wanting to grow in Christ-like character, that means adopting the practices, the lifestyle, the ways of Jesus. You're never going to experience the life that Jesus promised if you don't do the things that Jesus did. And this isn't about earning anything from God. Salvation is the free gift of God that you receive by faith, right? It's his grace. You can't earn it. It's a great quote. It says, grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. So you're practicing the ways of Jesus not in order to get something from God, but because you've already received something from God, right? And maybe you're here and you've attended church your whole life and you know, as we talk about the abundant life or the life that Jesus promised, you might hear that and go, okay, I, I, I don't have a category for that. My adherence to Christianity has been about a set of rules uh, and maybe you've been living under the weight of legalism or religious self-effort that in the end is empty and vain, and you would say, you know what, in my relationship with God, there is no celebration. There is no enjoyment of God. I'm just adhering to religious duties and 
there is no intimacy, there is no real vibrant enjoyment of the Lord. Or maybe you're here and you're new to church or new to faith, you're exploring Christianity, but you're open and you would say, you know, I've actually, as I've been exploring, or maybe there's a point in your past where you'd say, you know what, I've experienced the scorn, the anger, the judgment, the condemnation of those who claim to know Jesus but look nothing like him. And my invitation to you today is that you would not base your decision about Jesus on his imperfect followers, but that you would base your decision about Jesus on Jesus, okay? Because many of us, even as followers of Jesus, we we don't have this deep experience of the easy yoke that Jesus invites us into, right? Or we get it one day and we lose it the next, or we're living under shame or guilt, shoulds and oughts for not being better, not accomplishing more than we are. And so for many of us, our experience of the Christian life is that it's just not working. (laughs) There's no joy, there's no life. And it's interesting, this kind of over recent years, this trend of deconstructing or renouncing faith in Jesus. Uh, But listen, for the most part, I would say almost every single instance of this, people abandoning their faith or renouncing their faith or deconstructing their faith and abandoning Jesus rarely, if ever, has anything to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with a misapplication or misinterpretation of the ways of Jesus, right? And so the end result is that we don't really understand the ways of Jesus, and even as Christians, we're not really living out this abundant life that Jesus invites us into. And this is the invitation in Ephesians chapter four, verses 23 and 24. It says this, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the invitation. I love the way, um, this is the ESV, but I love the way the message translation says it. Sometimes it's just helpful to put it, put a, a different perspective on it. It says this, take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God does what? Accurately reproduces his character in you. I don't know about you, but I want to grow in Christ-like character. I want to live my life in a way where people who don't know Jesus see me and say, there's something different about that person. There's a joy, there's a celebration, there's a peace about that person that I've never seen. See, I, I want to live in the ways of Jesus. I want to become a person that is more loving, more patient, more joyful, more at peace. I want to live in the abundant life that Jesus promises, and I want to live under that easy yoke and that light burden that Jesus invites us into as he grows his character in me. That's what I want to experience. You know, I read a quote, um, and this is a paraphrase from Rich Velotas. He's a pastor in New York City, and I, I, I love this quote. He says, the church's greatest witness to the world is not programs but people. This is a paraphrase of his quote. The church's greatest witness to the world is not programs but people. Now, programs are important because they create environments where people 
can be Jesus followers in community with others. But the greatest witness to the watching world is not church programs, it's not church services, it's not the things that we do. It is your character. Whether your character reflects and resembles Jesus. That is the greatest witness to the watching world. It's not services, it's not preaching, it's not music, it's not programs, it's you. It's your character. It's who you are and how you function and live in the world. That is the greatest witness of the gospel. And the only way we, church, are going to reach the world with the goodness of God is if we are living in and experiencing the goodness of God ourselves. And the only way we're gonna live within and experience the goodness of God is, af- is actually if we're living according to the will and the ways of Jesus. Right? I think too often in the church, we, we just think, oh, it's about attending a service or it's about doing this thing and it's, it's just religious obligation. And it's why the series that we're gonna jump into next week, the, the title of the series is about enjoying God. And if you were to ask an average Christian today, in the world today, on a scale of one to 10, how much are you enjoying God in your life right now? I think the majority of Christians would look at you like you got two heads or something. They're like, what do you mean enjoying God? I believe the right things, I do the right things, I don't do the wrong things, the end. There's a book, it's called The Other Half of Church, and the whole, the whole premise of the book is that ever since the Enlightenment, the church has leaned far, way too far into believe the right things, don't do the wrong things, do the right things, and that's important. But we've completely abdicated the practices and the rhythms of Jesus, the habits of Jesus, the ways of Jesus in community with other people that are following Jesus. Right, and the way to character growth and spiritual transformation is you have to enjoy God. You actually have to have rhythms where you get into his presence and you get to enjoy him. And see, what's interesting is Jesus attracted people and when you read the Gospels, Jesus attracted people that the religious people repelled. Jesus made room for messy people. And there were people that were far from God that loved being around Jesus. They couldn't stand being around religious people that were so nitpicky and legalistic and so tightly wound and stuffy around their own rules and regulations that they completely missed the abundant life that God offered. In fact, Jesus standing in front of them, they missed the Messiah because they were so bound up in their own rules. And some of us are in, some of us in the room today, we're there. We are so tightly wound around religious rules and nitpicky about this, that, and the other, and God is inviting you to lay down your legalism and follow him. Because when Jesus came around, people that were far from God could not wait to get into his presence. Because he had something that they'd never seen before, not legalism, but love. See, are we a people of love? I don't know about you, I wanna be like Jesus. And the only way I can become like Jesus is if I live the way that Jesus lived and I do the things that Jesus did. So last year we spent a few months talking through the practices of Jesus through four specific categories. 
And this is a bit of a review. We do this starting last year. We do this once a year where we kind of talk about here are the things that are gonna help us to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and live on mission with Jesus. We're serious about this, okay? And if you go, well, great, he'll talk about it and be done. Well, we're gonna talk about it again and again and again and again. So if this is your home church, you're gonna get real annoyed with us if you think that this is going away. This is not going away. We are always gonna be about practicing the ways of Jesus and helping you do that. Okay, so here are the four categories. Number one is private devotion. Private devotion. This is about growing in your intimacy and relationship with Jesus. The second category is biblical community. This is about growing in relationship with others as you follow Jesus together. Jimmy talked a lot about this last week. Number three is missional living. It's about making a spiritual impact in your relationships and in your community. And lastly, kingdom stewardship. This is about faithfully managing and investing all that God has entrusted to you. Because if you have a biblical worldview, you recognize I own nothing. Everything I have has been entrusted to me to manage by God himself. My job is to manage the life that he's given me, the relationships, the resources, all of it, to manage those things in a way that would bring pleasure to his heart, okay? And so I wanna remind you, um, and maybe you're new, maybe you, you know, you've joined us in the last several months. Last year we created a tool that briefly defines not only the categories, but it defines some of the specific disciplines and practices that Jesus lived out in this booklet, and this is a self-assessment tool. So you can read through it, and it helps you understand, okay, how am I doing really in daily scripture reading? Am I getting in the word on a consistent basis? What about prayer? What about fasting? What about my rhythms of rest? How about loving my neighbors and missional living? Because you might be doing really well in one area, but God is inviting you to grow in a different area. And so this is a tool that was designed specifically for you to self-assess and to evaluate how am I doing actually practicing the ways of Jesus? And then what are some simple and small tweaks that I can make in the rhythms of my own life in order to grow in some of these practices so that God, so that I can make myself available to God to grow his character in me? That's the goal to make yourself available for God to grow his character in you. And you say, okay, well that's all well and good, but where do we see Jesus practicing these, these things in scripture? That's a great question, I'm so glad you asked. We're gonna go through some of it. Okay, so let's just take private devotion for a second. So some of the disciplines listed under private devotion, which if, if you don't have one of these, you can pick them up at our um, uh, guest services booth, and there's also a digital copy available online as well, but we've got these around the campus for you to pick up. Okay, so private devotion. The first discipline, the first practice is scripture. Okay, so private devotion, the first practice is scripture. So it's interesting. You know, Jesus... He constantly was quoting scripture and he was referring to the, the Old Testament authoritatively throughout his earthly ministry. But then we have this in John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus literally is the very word of God. Okay? Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus answered 
It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus is modeling for us what it looks like to live in intimacy and relationship with God, that we live on the word of God. Okay, that's scripture. Next is Sabbath. Matthew 12, 8. It says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That's Jesus. He's saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Luke 4, 16. As was Jesus' custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, people look at the Gospels and they say, well, Jesus, did he violate the Sabbath? And, and there's a lot of conversation to be had around this topic, but here's the reality. The religious leaders took the Sabbath and made it something that, that it was never intended to be. And so Jesus didn't violate the Sabbath, but he modeled for us what it looks like to live under the easy yoke on the Sabbath day, to have regular rhythms of rest and enjoyment of God and enjoyment of the people around you on the Sabbath. Next, we have solitude. Luke 5, 16. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And all the introverts in the room said amen. <laughs> Lastly, fast, uh, fourth, fasting. It, it, it says this in Matthew 4, uh, verse 2. It says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, naturally. <laughs> Matthew 17, verses 20 through 21. So Jesus said to them, however, this kind, speaking about a demon, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Okay, so Jesus is holding fasting up as a regular practice. Not only is he doing it, but he's talking about it in a way that this ought to be a regular part of our lives as followers of Christ. And then prayer, number five, which we'll start uh, an in-depth series on this next week. Prayer, Matthew uh, 22, verse 41. It says, and Jesus knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Okay, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He knows what's awaiting him. He's asking the Father in vulnerability. He's saying, if there's any other way, please, if there's any other way. And at the end of it, he submits to the will of the Father. It's a beautiful example of what prayer is. Luke 9, 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him uh, Peter and John and James and, and went up to the mountain to pray. So not only is he coming to God uh, alone and praying to his Father in heaven, but he's also praying with other believers. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you're terrified to do that. Maybe you've never prayed out loud in front of other people. I wanna invite you to stretch yourself, allow, allow God to stretch you and grow you in that area. We'll talk more about that in weeks to come. And I'm not gonna go through each category in that level of depth, but think about biblical community, okay? Another, another category. Jesus had his inner circle of three, right? Peter, James, and John. And then he had the 12. And then he had the 70 that he sent out two by two. Mission of living. His whole strategy for reaching the world was to start with a few. See, Jesus living on mission was discipling a few people, and he was engaging with the lost, with people that were far from God in an incredibly gracious way. And then you've got kingdom stewardship. If ever there was an example of what it looks like to steward your whole life for the glory of God, it is Jesus. <laughs> and see, what we need to understand is that when we say we are followers of Jesus, we are saying 
that we are people who are practicing the, the, the ways, the lifestyle of Jesus. Right? And a follower of Jesus doesn't attend a church service once a week or even once every couple weeks and call that Christianity. It is not. Following Jesus means you're actually doing the things that Jesus did. You, you see the lifestyle of Jesus and you do your best to learn from and apprentice under Jesus and uh, what that looks like. So attending a service is important or else we wouldn't spend all the time, effort in doing a Sunday service. It is important, but it's a small part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is important, but what we wanna see happen is, is not just once a week you spending time with God, but every single day that you would surrender your whole life to God every day and invite him to influence your decisions and your priorities as you seek to follow him fully. That's what the church is here to help you do. That's our job, okay? You're like, oh man, Rob's really taking this seriously. You know, last week, Pastor Jimmy showed a video about the, the shallow small group. And I think one of the greatest dangers to the church today, to the world today, is not just shallow community, but shallow people, shallow Christians. Uh, Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he said, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And he goes on to say that Define that as being people that are growing in Christ-like character. People that are deeply formed into the image, the character, the ways of Jesus. That's how we reach the world. That's how we live in the abundant life that Jesus promised. Right? Now, one last component of this before we wrap up today. When we started talking about the disciplines of a disciple uh, last year, one of the major things that we started talking about and, and we began to shift and change here was repurposing what used to be church membership here at Grace Chapel. And uh, it's what we call our core, the, the core team of the church. And, and here's why we made the shift. A lot of churches do membership, but we made the shift because we don't wanna be about membership to a club, okay? The reason why we're calling it the core, over the last 2,000 years, every single church throughout history have people who are saying, I'm all in with what Jesus is doing here. I'm all in with the ways of Jesus and I want to live out and practice the ways of Jesus and community with other people here. So that, this is what we call our core. And our hope, our aim is for all of us to grow in Christ-likeness as we follow Jesus or being changed by him and, and living on mission with him together, right? And there are people in every single church around the world and throughout human history who have stood up and said, I believe in what God is doing through this body of believers and I can see where God is taking this body of believers and I am in here. I am, I've got skin in the game. I'm not gonna sit on the sidelines of my Christian life. I'm gonna get skin in the game and follow Jesus with other people here. I wanna grow. I wanna see the mission of God fulfilled in and through this local expression of the body of Christ. So many churches 
refer to this as membership. We think language matters, and so we choose to identify it as being a part of the core team. And this distinction is important because we have shared interest, and listen, shared interest and personal ownership. Because this isn't my church. This is our church, okay? So people who say, I've got personal ownership and responsibility in God's specific work in and through the flock of Grace Chapel, that's it. And some of you are already a part of the core team. You've already made that commitment. Others of you are still checking things out. You're exploring if you wanna make Grace Chapel your home church. And that is an incredibly important decision and we wanna give you time and space as you're considering that. But even if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be a part of the core team, I would invite you to, to explore that and why that is or ha come have a conversation with me about it. But here's, here's the deal. Everyone's invited. I want you to repeat after me. Say, everyone's invited. That includes me. Say that. You're invited. Okay. Right? And, and so if you're here and you'd say, I, I, I see what God's doing here. I'm all in. I've got skin in the game. If that's you, I want to invite you to join the core team. And... and Everyone's invited, and here's the commitment that we make to you as somebody that is a part of the core of the church. A few times a year, we gather together as the core, and it's a potluck dinner, which is awesome, okay? It's the biggest potluck you've ever seen, um, and, and it allows the, the leadership of the church to provide updates about the state of the church, uh, it allows space for us to inform the body of any major concerns and to garner input from the body about upcoming decisions. It allows us to create room for dialogue and clarity as we work toward the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, as it says in Ephesians 4. And it allows us to communicate and invite you to participate with us in ways that we can further the mission and accomplish what God has put in front of us. I also send out uh, monthly emails to encourage you and support you as you're trying to grow in the spiritual practices and the ways of Jesus. And so we, we wanna do everything we can to support you in that effort and the commitment that you make, okay, this is important, so hear me. The commitment that you make when you fill out the, uh, what we call our discipleship covenant, um, and this is how you identify, hey, I'm all in, I wanna be a part of the core. The commitment that you make is to grow intentionally in practicing the ways of Jesus. The end, that's it. So we don't require you to attend meetings. We, we don't require you to read the monthly emails. Like, the invitation is to simply be intentional about growing in the ways of Jesus, that's it. To be intentional about it. And not do it perfectly, but just to take little steps over time. Okay, that is the commitment that you make. Now, let me just clarify, here's what this is not, and this is important. This is not a way for those on staff and those in leadership and the clergy or the elders in any way to big brother you and track how well you're doing with the spiritual practices. Can I just tell you, I've got enough going on, I don't wanna track your, I don't wanna be that involved in your life. I love you, but when you say before God, hey, I'm gonna intentionally grow in the practices of Jesus, I trust you. Great. 
And if you go, well, what about the person who just takes this and fills it out and turns it in so they can show up to a free meal every now and then? <laughs> We're not gonna know the difference. But God will. God will know. We're not gonna know. So if you really want to show up and get a free meal, you can fill this out. <laughs> and we will never know. But here's the deal, that's between you and the Lord. And listen, if you're gonna fill out a covenant between you and the Lord just to get a free meal, you know, it's a potluck, so you at least have to bring like a main dish or something. Bring some peach cobbler, I don't care. Just, you're gonna have to bring something. You gotta get some skin in the game, okay? All right. <laughs> Tonight, we have a core team meeting. Everyone's invited, okay? You hear me? Everyone's invited if you are ready to make the decision to be a part of the core. So all I gotta do, fill this out and show up to the meeting. Show up to the, now we're a little short on main dishes, so if you are coming tonight, bring a main dish. All right, and listen, this is, all of this is designed to help all of us grow in the ways of Jesus and increase communication with people who are all in here. Jesus had his three, he had his 12, he had his 70. Jesus lived this out as he was sowing in to the early disciples of Jesus and we want to follow his example. So. Um, if you plan on showing up tonight, um, if you fill this out, you can drop this off at the um, uh, guest services booth. We've got copies on uh, the tables up front and also out in the lobby as well. And if you're not ready, here, please hear me. If you're not ready to make that commitment quite yet or indicate that commitment, if you're still exploring, I am so glad you're here. If you go, I I'm not sure I'm ready to become a part of the core, that's fine. Continue to be a part of the family. Continue to explore. Continue to be here. We don't require this of you, but if you want to be a part of the core of the church, fill this out. It's very simple, okay? If you have questions about this, please reach out to me. I'm happy to chat with you about it. Our hope is that every single one of us, regardless of whether you're a part of the core team or not, you're still a part of the family here at Grace Chapel. And our hope is that every single person who is here would grow in intimacy with Jesus, would become like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. These are just some of the ways that we wanna help you do that, okay? Church, would you stand with me? God has great things in store for this church body. And I'm thrilled that we get to do this together. I'm thrilled that we get to follow Jesus be changed by Jesus, live on mission with Jesus together. And here's the deal, every single thing we do, every single thing we do, our greatest hope, our biggest prayer is that at the end of the day, Jesus alone would get all the glory because he alone is worthy of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have modeled something so profound and so powerful and God, for the ways that we've missed it, God, we're sorry. We repent today, and God, would you help us to tuck in behind you, to learn under you, to walk under the easy yoke and the light burden that you invite us into. 
to take inventory of where we are today and some little changes and tweaks and ways that you want to help us grow and lean into the abundant life that you offer. God, would you help us do that? God, as the leadership of the church, would you help us to learn from you and learn how to do this better? And God, we look to you and we give you all the glory for the good things that you are doing, the good things that you have done and the good things that you will do. And God, today we pray that you would bless every single person that considers themselves a part of the Grace Chapel family, whether they're a part of the core or not. God, pour out your abundant blessing on every single one of us. God, we thank you today with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, church. Hopefully we'll see you tonight. Take care, see you soon.